What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. Welcome to another episode of the BSR Show. We are the Black Series Rebels. With me, as always, is my boy, Stephen Ellis. What's happening, Alex? And just behind the video store rental counter, telling us to be kind and rewind, it's our boy, Cisco Kid. Yo, what's good, my boys? Good, man. Good, good, good. How's everybody doing? Cisco, how was your week? Oh, it's been okay so far. I had uh, had the day off on Monday, so I had a long weekend. Um, we did a little thing with the with the girls. We took them to the Arboretum, which was uh, a fun day for them to run around and get some exercise and wear themselves out. And, uh, and then back to the grind, man. But yeah, it's been been pretty good. We we started uh, our four year old back into school this week. She's been needing it, and she's been super stoked about it. So. It's a, it's been a long time coming, but been a good move for her. Awesome. Steve-O. I'm good, man. I had a great weekend with the girls. Uh, Harper was, it was really fun doing Valentine's day with Harper. She's really into balloons right now. So we had lots of like those store bought, like Valentine's day heart balloons <laughs> in the house and she was going nuts. I uh, had a good weekend. Uh, I got some recommendations for the fellas and the, the, the people at home. Um, I am currently on now on season starting season four of Peaky Blinders on Netflix, and I can't believe I've been sleeping on this show. Uh, it, they do what I hear the, it's they, great. They do what the BBC does great: six episode seasons, uh, hour long episodes, and man, you know, I've I I don't want to say I was never a uh, um, a Killian Murphy fan. Um, he's just always creeped me out and scared me, but man. Every, he's really good on the show. Everybody's really good on the show. I highly recommend that. And then I watched, because we talk about Roy Choi, we talk about food shows all the time. Uh, I caught the first two episodes of Stanley Tucci's uh, CNN show, um, where I think it's called Searching Italy or, or something, but um, it's all about him in Italy, meeting folks, cooking up good food, uh, making me really wish I was traveling right now and, and eating good food, so... Uh, it's been pretty good. Work's been crazy. Uh, that Texas weather is not being kind to my uh, my production currently um, freezing their 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 butts off in Austin. But hopefully um, things get better in, in the Texas area for everybody and any of our listeners out there. Yeah, man, it was a, a, a good little week. Uh, I am. I am running on real fumes <laughs> with work, so. Uh, I really appreciate you guys carrying me. I, we've already done next week's uh, movie episode. I appreciate you guys carrying me through that. I appreciate what you're about to do and carry me through this news. But uh, <laughs> man, I'm really uh, definitely uh, I'm living for the weekend right now. Everybody's wor- Alex is working for the weekend. <laughs> Real hardcore. I uh, let's see what I watch. I watched um, Attack the Block with my wife. She had to do a little bit of research. It was it was a mo- it was a week it was a weekend of Alex watching movies he really loves. Saw Attack the Block again, loved it. One of my favorites of all time. I watched Rushmore, love Rushmore. I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's for the first time. That movie's a pile of shit. Not good at all. <laughs> Real pile of shit. Not even like like uh, 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 like obvious horrible racism aside. It's just not a good movie. Like, it's not a good, like, I'm like, okay, cool. I get it. Audrey Hepburn dresses really well in it. But other than that, that movie's rough. Start to finish, rough. Big thumbs down from the Alex man. 
Super racist. Not cool. Don't watch. Not cool then yet. I watched <laughs> what will be our movie this week, which is the Royal Tenenbaums and had a nice trip down. Alex loves this movie lane. Uh, played a little bit of Spider-Man on PS5. You know, it was a, a good little week. I'm definitely feeling like all I can think about is work at the moment, but I'm excited to unplug, do a little bit of podcasting with you boys. You guys know it's the Midnight Movie Month, so why don't we get to this week? Hey, Steve! Uh, yeah, Alex? What's going on this week in movie news, dog? <laughs> Hey, Steve, what's going on this week in movie news? Uh, we're not going to comment on this real quick, but since we used to be a Star Wars show, uh, Lucasfilm confirmed they will not be recasting Gina Carano's uh, character. Uh, don't care. Moving on. Um, <laughs> supposedly some New York Times, I don't know, uh, internet person on Twitter apparently won some bidding contest or something and had a conversation with Ryan Johnson where apparently, according to her, he said his, his shit's still on. They don't have a release date because he's busy doing other shit. Moving on. Um... And on to shit we care about. Uh, let's see here. Um, you know, we just recorded a podcast about, you know, independent cinema and, and whatnot that'll be coming out next week. Uh, so I figure, why don't we start with this one? Um, you might've seen Martin Scorsese's name in the last 24 hours uh, on the internet. Some people screaming and, and making a lot of hoopla out of nothing. Uh, he wrote a well-written, really great essay um, for Harper Magazine. Um, basically, it's an ode to uh, Fellini, um, but in it, he does make some quotes about um, basically equating how today is ba- like movies are being systematically devalued, sidelined and demeaned as content. Um, just so we can just get a little more into it. I'll read these quotes real quick. Uh, Scorsese basically is reflecting on the modern era of content and how it's sapping the magic away from the movies. He says content became a business term. Sorry, content became a business term for all moving images, a David Lean movie, a cat video, a Super Bowl commercial, a superhero sequel, a series episode. Uh, He says it was linked, of course, not to the theatrical experience, but to the home viewing on the streaming platforms that have come to overtake the movie going experience, just as Amazon overtook physical stores. He continues, on the one hand, this has been good for filmmakers, myself included, On the other hand, it has created a situation in which everything is presented to the viewer on a level playing field, which sounds democratic, but isn't in further viewing is suggested by algorithm. If further viewing is suggested by algorithms based on what you've already seen and the suggestions are based only on subject matter or genre, then what does that do to the art of cinema? Um, I read this article. It is a long article or a long essay, but I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff in it that I was like writing down names and going, Ooh, I have not watched that. I need to a lot of older films, a lot of Italian cinema. Um, these, this relates to conversations I know I've had with Alex in the last week or so about us talking about various movies and going, man, they just, they won't make these kind of movies today. And it's, it's a bummer. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, well, my first thought is, didn't he say something similar or have a similar sort of little quote or rant like two years ago, right before the Irishman came out where he was talking about big budget, um, IPs like overtaking or whatever. Um, so like this isn't necessarily new, but the other thing is that like in a weird way, I do think that 
small movies are still getting made. You know what I mean? Like they may not get the shine that a big billion dollar movie is going to get, but you know, when I hear about a movie like uh Minari, you know, that, that movie catches my attention and that's a small independent thing. It's very good by the way. It's a very good movie. So, I think that those movies are getting made. Are they getting made with the frequency that they may have been getting made 15 years ago? No. I don't know that that's a bad thing either, though, because, you know, it gives the cream more opportunity to rise, in, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, whatever. I, you know, it's Martin Scorsese's opinion doesn't, you know, affect me in one way or the other. I don't know that I agree or disagree because I haven't read the essay, but, um, you know, with some of the quotes, that, the things that you said right now, don't I don't 100% disagree with what he's saying. I Martin Scorsese coming out and having an opinion on the modern state of Hollywood is like the in and out fries are bad tweet. Like I'm, I'm kind of like this is I'm just I, I get it. We I, I agree. I think everybody agrees. But sorry, like unfortunately, movies like Minari, which is incredible, loved it. Wish I could have seen it in the theater. I would have seen it in the theater. It's just not going to make money like, you know, Man of Steel 8. So I get it. Like, the especially now, like, it's really, it's a, it's a little bit unfair to come out and be like, they're just not, look at how they're, they're homogenizing the industry. It's like, what industry, dude? It's like, it's hanging by a thread. And the thing keeping it alive are these Marvel movies? No, for sure. Like, I, I think what's being missed here in this article, and this is why I implore everybody to, to read this article if you're a big movie fan, is that on the surface, what I read and everything definitely makes it seem like what he's doing is it's like it's a shame these aren't in movie theaters or anything like that. But really what it comes down, what, what he ends up talking about is talking about how films are basically just looked at as content now and not pieces of art and that not to take it for granted and to basically just kind of going, you know, it's up to people to sort of pass along these other, these, these other movies and these, these, this art form for others to see and recommend. And that's carefully curated and is not based on an algorithm of numbers. Um, And I, you know, and so, sorry, I think that there is some truth to that. Right. I think that that's, but I don't know that that's new, right? I think that if you go back in time, studios, major studios, were always trying to make movies that were going to make money. They didn't care about independent cinema. There was a rash. It was the or, studio uh, system. <laughs> it was the studio system. So there was a period in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s where these small studios came about and decided we're going to make lower budget films that aren't going to make a hundred million dollars, $200 million. And we're going to put them out there for a specific audience and see how they do. And then those movies started to hit, right? Just, like, just like they did in the late sixties and early seventies when Scorsese came out and right. all that the, all that was being put out there were musicals and romantic comedies. Right. And, that you had your, what has been coined your easy riders and raging bulls. So, you know, I think there's a little bit of rose colored glasses happening with, with Scorsese and, you know, fair enough. You know, he's been in the industry a long time. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to remember spe- uh, specifics probably that well, but um, 
you know, it's not that surprising to me that this is the state of um, the film industry. And uh, but at the same time, I think that we're still getting stuff that isn't quote unquote content. It's just, you know, it's not as prolific as it once was. Martin Scorsese, the argument can be made that he's the greatest film director of all time. So let's just put that aside before I say what I'm about to say. He's starting to feel a little bit like that rock music is just too darn loud. It's starting to feel a little like, I'm like, I, I hear, I hear it. I hear it. I agree with it. I'm about to rail in our next episode about how much people need to support independent cinema. But like to say that superhero movies are just content is not fair. But it's I think you're missing fair. the point. I think you're missing the point. I think what he's saying read is, the quote. is I'll read the quote. And what he's saying is, is everything from cat videos to superhero sequels to a, a superhero to, sequels. hold on, hold on to an independent fucking film are all lumped into this thing is just being content. Well, and that, I think that in and a that, way that he's pissed that, off at that term, but he did that. And he, he says did that two years and he ago. Says, and he <laughs> says, on the one hand, this has been good for filmmakers, myself included. On the right. other hand, it has created a situation in which everything is presented to the viewer on a level playing field. Well, and it, and he's not wrong. You know what I mean? Like you think about the amount of content. I mean, it's, it is what it is that the amount of content that comes out on a regular basis. And so it's hard for stuff to linger, right? Like you're not going to have a movie resonate for six months as much as it did um, back before streaming was as popular as it is because there's always something new to get into. So, you know, the days of like being able to talk about the Blair Witch Project for six months or the Matrix for a year and a half are are somewhat behind us, you know, you know, I mean, I love Jojo rabbit, right? Jojo rabbit is one of my favorite movies of the last five years, but nobody talks about it anymore. It had its moment because it was, it was so great and fantastic. And like, you know, every once in a while, somebody might bring it up in a conversation if we're talking about Taika's next project, but like, we're not talking about it anymore. Now we're talking about, uh, Minari, like we said, or we're talking about, um, you know, whatever the next thing is, uh, um, black Jesus, or, um, what is it? The black Messiah, Judas and the black Messiah. So, I mean, you know, everything now, because of the, the frenetic pace of releases, it's just the way it is, man. Like, what are you going to do? I think everybody's attention span has shriveled to nothing. I, I mean, I agree. First of all, Cisco, you're a thousand percent, right? I agree with everything that you're saying. But I also think there's a little bit of like the kettle calling the pot black in that statement to be like everything's homogenized from cat videos to superhero movies. You just did it yourself. Like I've heard, I've, we've all heard the quote where it's like, those are the amusement parks of movies. You totally dismiss an entire art form because it's not what you consider to be the supreme level of cinema. I hear, I see you. No, see, Steve, I can see your face, but Alex isn't wrong. I mean, and we already know his opinion on, <laughs> on blockbusters because he gave it two years ago. Yeah, where he, was he literally did it. it. He's, yeah. he does it constantly. So like, don't come here and tell me like, I can't believe people just don't take the time to watch every A24 movie the way they watch cat videos. And it's like, bro, you're, you're constantly giving your opinion on the state of Hollywood and you diminish people's art consistently. 
But I, I think also more to the point is that even if they do that, right, even if they are keeping up with the lower budget, smaller scale films and appreciating them, there's the, the, the quote unquote appreciation doesn't last as long anymore just because that's the nature of where we are in the world. Like it just doesn't happen anymore. Don't get me wrong. I watched uh, one of the movies I watched this weekend. I'm a sucker for this to all the boys I've ever loved trilogy. I love that shit on Netflix. The third one came out, gobbled that shit up. Big fan of the coming of age teen romantic comedy. Love the genre. And it sent me kind of on a whirlwind down. I watched Pretty Woman. I watched When Harry Met Sally. And I watched, uh, as I was folding laundry, I watched You've Got Mail. And then I was just on a real romantic comedy kick. And I text Steve. I was like, man, they just don't make romantic comedies like this anymore. And like, I don't mean that in terms of like, to all the boys I've ever loved, the homogenization of Netflix, the way they've just made all romantic comedies like that. That's not what I mean. What I'm saying is, is like, I just... Man, I wish that movies like this could still get the attention they deserve, but that's just because I like them. But I'm not going to sit here and be naive to the fact that, like, if you threw Pretty Woman out now and you put it up against Avengers Endgame, movie gets crushed like a bug. Like, just like a, it's just, it was just a different time. I don't, it's just different. I don't think that he's belittling superhero movies. I don't think that he's belittling some of these other artists. What I do think is, he is in a weird way sort of mourning in a weird way, the death of fucking cinema in the sense of what it used to be and what it used to mean to go to a movie theater and the magic of the lights coming down and sort of the experience of going and seeing cinema. And I think that what he's doing here is mourning that. And I don't think what he's doing is, is necessarily belittling these other art forms. But I guess my response to that would be is, what is he mourning? Alex. None of that's dead. We can't go because of COVID. Yeah, but it was, it was pre-COVID. Okay, then even then, before COVID, we were all going to movie theaters. Were you guys going to movie theaters? Alex, mm-hmm. you're missing the point. Like, Dude, I'm not getting defensive. I'm just saying, like, you're saying he's mourning the loss of movie theaters, and I'm saying, but they're not gone. Minari is Minari would be in theaters right now. All of these movies, Nomadland would be in theaters. All of these great movies, Judah and the Black Messiah, Judas and the Black Messiah would be in theaters. And what I'm saying it wouldn't is, be on I, HBO Max. I know. And what I'm saying is, is I think part of what comes with that is the fact that nobody now is going to the cinema in droves to support those films in the theaters so that more movies like that continue to have success in the theaters because they ultimately are there for three weeks and then they have their streaming deal. And I think that, yeah, the, the, and I guess, I guess, and I think he's just being reminiscent of a time when like the cinema was sort of this place that you went and like you experienced all these different movies, not just sort of, you know, certain things. And he's sad that people aren't being out going out to the theaters to support those films. That's now, there, there is a point to that, right? Which is when you go to a multiplex, there's five movies showing on 20 screens for the most part, right? And very rarely are you going to see uh, a Minari on there. You might see it on one screen. Like we're life. lucky in Los Angeles because it would be on multiple yeah, we're screens. Lucky. Yes. But in right. the rest of the country, so, not. So sure, there is a point to that. But I would also say it's like, again, 
it, it, it's been like that for a while. It's not like a new thing, you know, and it's not even necessarily streaming's fault because it's I would actually, of, pr- I would say streaming is probably better because now those movies become accessible to all of these places where that movie's not going to play in the theater. And you don't have some art house tower records to go to where you can dig through the criterion collection. It's just on Amazon. So in in a weird way, and I don't mean to interrupt Cisco, but I'm just kind of like, if if the, if the, if the war, if the fear is like uh, people aren't consuming this art, this art or this cinema that he says people aren't taking in the way that they used to. I don't know that mourning it is the way to like do anything about it. I go maybe say, Hey, I'm Martin Scorsese and here's my top 15 movies on Netflix right now that maybe you haven't seen. Do you know what I mean? It's like build up the art that's being, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of really great stuff. And just to, 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 to diminish it as if it's content is really like, I, I guarantee you Orson Welles, if he watched like deer hunter might be like, Oh, back in my day, it wasn't so angry. You see what I'm saying? It's just, just there's all that always happens. <laughs> I kind of always is going to happen. I guess I kind of fall in the middle of the, of this, uh, of the viewpoints. Cause I kind of see both sides. I, I do sort of see some validity in what he's saying, but I also kind of feel like, Hey, you're kind of beating a dead horse. You know what I mean? Like it's been like this for a while. It's not like, I could, hey, listen, you want to reminisce about going to the movie theaters? I do that all the time. We do it on this show. Yeah. We, we're going to do it time. in the next episode when we talk about Royal Tenenbaums. You know what I mean? So like, we're going to, we, we show an appreciation for it because we have, we're lucky enough to have grown up during a time where pre, pre-streaming where we were able to, the only place to watch a movie was in the theater. And so we have those memories and experiences, um, and we get to hold them dearly. So, you know, it is a shame that, that um, newer generations are, are missing out on that in a way. And hopefully we can get back to that sooner than later. Um, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate that the entire country and every city doesn't have um, a Cinemark or, you know, a, a Lemley, a Lemley, you know, or a United Artists where you can go and watch small movies and, um, and enjoy would, that sort of like experience in that way. I would always just say like, do people still listen to vinyl? Like that shit comes back around. It's going to come back around that. Like it, it always does, you know, listen, I get it. I, I don't, I don't want to rail against a, a genius. I just, I, I kind of don't feel like, we're at a dire state of art and cinema yet. Does that make sense? Like when I hear that, I just go, it's never going to be back to the way it was in the seventies or the eighties. Or the, It's never going to happen. It's always going to be progress and we're going to have to be okay with it changing. And I know that movie theaters are not going to go anywhere. They're just not. And I don't disagree with you at all. And I just, what I want to say is, is that I hope people go and they read this article because what I started off when I introduced this article, first go to harpers.org. It's right there. Go read it. Um, 99% of this article is all about him and a tribute to Federico Fellini and Italian cinema. And there's just 
all there's so many recommendations and and films that he talks about in it that I think for any film fan wanting to look into the history of film and Italian cinema and its influences, it's worth checking out this article. Nice. What else you got? Uh, let's see. What do we want to go with here? Uh, speaking of streaming, um, Donald Glover. Uh, it was announced earlier this week that him and um, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Bridge or Bridger? Bri- Bridge is what I'm reading Bridge. here in the article. Uh, are starring in a new take on the movie that Angelina and Brad Pitt met on called Mr. and Mrs. Smith for Amazon Studios. Uh, it's going to be a TV series that's going to feature the two of them. Uh, and it's being co-created by um, Francesca Sloan, uh, who is a writer and producer on Atlanta, and she's going to be the showrunner. And on top of that, it was then announced that he just signed a huge eight-figure deal with Amazon, and so did his brother in a separate deal, that will also include uh, a content channel of some kind that will not only spotlight Glover's work on Amazon Prime Video, but is a hub of curated content by him as well. Um, And God knows what other stuff he's going to do. But it looks like uh, he's found a new home uh, and will no longer be at the now Disney-owned FX and will be doing his thing at Amazon. Let's so is Atlanta going to move there? I don't know what his like ownership rights are in, in terms of that. So, I mean, I don't know. I would assume so based off of the fact that they're going to be a hub for his content, even that he's done so far is what it says. So maybe um, he did. I mean, by that point he was pretty successful when he did Atlanta. Maybe he was able to say, Hey, but I retain all the rights to my show. And maybe that's why he's held off so long. Right. Mm-hmm in doing a season three to get it off of FX and onto Amazon. Atlanta is Atlanta and Dave are my two favorite shows on TV. So it does say here that Atlanta has been renewed for a third and fourth season at FX. Um, So, so maybe it's like a Spider-Man deal where it's like, yeah, but not Atlanta. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So I'm excited for anything he does. Um, Let's see here. You know, we talked about this when we had Wynn Rosenfeld on, uh, we we did our Gremlins Midnight Movie Club. Um, Amblin announced the voice cast for Gremlins Secret of the Mogwai. Um, the voice actors will be, uh, you remember her now from Mandalorian, uh, Ming-Na Wen, uh, B.D. Wong, James Hong, and Matthew Rise from, uh, or Reese from uh, The Americans. Uh, and it's like my, set and, in 1940, and, right? And my favorite, Perry Mason. Uh, it's, yeah, it's set in uh, 1920 Shanghai and, refi- and uh, reveals okay. how Sam Wing um, and how he would grow up to become the shop owner in the movie. And it's all about how he met the young Mogwai called Gizmo. Uh, obviously, Ming Na Wen is amazing. We love her. Um, but as a self professed Law and Order SVU junkie, <laughs> More B.D. Wong is always a wonderful <laughs> thing in my book. Wasn't he in Oz? He was in Oz. He was in fucking Jurassic Park. Um, dude, B.D. Wong. He was also in uh, in uh, Aquafina's show, Nora from Queens. I just saw him in something. I was like, is that B.D. Wong? <laughs> dude, he's so, he's so different in Nora from Queens. He's like, he plays her dad, and he's so not the B.D. Wong that you're used to. He's great. I love him. 
Yeah, he's chameleon vibes, but also still BD Wong. Mm-hmm. Always. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh it's yeah. gonna be a uh it's gonna be ten episode series. So um I don't know. Cool. I'm interested. I'm interested in it. We'll see what happens. Um we don't have a release date for it just yet, though. Uh let's see here. Another streaming show. Alex, get ready to go shopping at Hot Topic, buddy. Tim Burton, he's going to direct television for the first time, and he's chosen Wednesday Adams, the live-action Wednesday Adams uh, TV series for Netflix. Um, <laughs> Alex cannot wait for this one. Um, it's going to be Tim Burton's first uh, time doing television. How- you know what, Cisco? We owe an apology. Next week, we're going to talk about Wes Anderson, and we say Tarantino and Wes Anderson are the t- only two directors we can think of that stick to their thing. <laughs> wrong. We left out one very important person. Tim, very fucking yep. Tim fucking we Burton. We forgot about him. Boy, oh boy, this guy really just only hangs out in a certain section of Hot Topic, huh? Bust, like, out, really- bust out your black and white striped leggings, bro. It's time. Let's get, oh, let's get the black paint and let's make some swirls on the walls. Will Danny Elfman do the music? That's the question. Uh, the upcoming eight episode series is a sleuthing supernaturally infused mystery charting Wednesday's years as a student at the peculiar Nevermore Academy. Wednesday's attempts to master her emerging psychic ability thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town and solved the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago. All while navigating her new and very tangled relationships of the strange and diverse student body. Sounds an awful like another Netflix show that is about to end called Sabrina. I, it's funny that they put that little thing at the end. Cause I was about to go, this sounds like it's missing the most key element of the Adams family, which is that the Adams family lives in the real world. And it's right. what makes them so great is that they're surrounded by like a bunch of normies. And then when yeah. you go back into their house, they're in this really cool, like Gothic, <laughs> like weird castle. But then when they walk outside, they like at, are at Taco Bell. Okay. That's kind of what is fun about the Adams family. And as you were describing that, I'm like, what battling monsters? Oh, hold on. <laughs> that's not what the Adams family is about <laughs> at all. Like if I, and this again, I'm no Tim Burton. The man is proven. He's made a lot of incredible works of art. If I was going to do a Wednesday Adam thing, I would think it, like what might be kind of cool would be like, put her in a pen 15 style high school and see Wendy Adams navigate like normal high school problems. I think that would be really, really cool and interesting. This sounds like maybe a, a little too fan. As soon as you said, was it called the evermore Academy? I believe so. Yes. I just thought of that movie, Miss Peregrine's goofy kids with goofy problems or something. The other one he did <laughs> about like, I don't know, man, I, I just don't really get down on these like, these types of i'm always like all right we get it dude <laughs> like it's goth it's kooky it's all the above like uh nah i don't know cisco your thoughts i don't want to be the grump <laughs> uh yeah i'll wait and see to see who they're gonna <laughs> cast as uh as wednesday and what they're gonna do but uh let me see a trailer and then i'll, I'll be able to give you a, a fair assessment of it fair. i'm not I'm not fully against it because I am sort of, I've got a a soft spot in my heart for Adam's family. So, you know, I've got it there. And, um, but you know what I mean, right? Like that's the whole charm of them 
is that sure. they're the Adams family. It's funny when you mentioned that because it made me think of this cartoon that um that my daughter likes a lot called Vampirina. Mm. <laughs> and it's very much like that. Like, you know, she's this vampire, her and her, you know, and her parents are vampires and they live in this this like weird looking house with haunted things in it. And then she's got totally normal friends and they come over and she looks like a vampire. She's blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're just like, it's like the Adams family, dude. It's like, it, but for kids, it's pretty funny. Um, so, you know, whatever. Let, look, man, if it's good, I'm going to watch it. Well, there. well, in other Tim Burton news, uh, the movie, there's more Tim Burton. There's more news. Tim Burton news. 2021, wow. the year of Tim Burton. <laughs> He's back, baby. <laughs> the movie worlds of Superman 78 and Batman 89 are heading to comics in two all new DC digital first series. The Gothic mentality of Tim Burton's Batman lurks around every corner in Batman 89. Um, and then, yeah, but they're doing also another one on, uh, Donner's Superman 78 series. Um, I know I've talked a lot about my time, you know, spending money I shouldn't have on a, on a Batman 89 uh, comic adaptation of the film. I'm very excited uh, for this. Um, you guys don't You're going to read this? Cause this is, these are new stories that yeah, take these are place new in stories the universe, within right? the universe. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. What the the thing that sold me on it is the art, right? They just look like straight out of the movies, you know, yeah. like they, they've got Christopher Reeve, Superman, which is my favorite Superman and, uh, and you know, Michael Keaton, Batman. So it looks cool. I'll give it a shot. Hell yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, let's I'm still here. pissed off about Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the Irishman. And um, second thought, don't do that. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. What else do I got going on in the news? Um, there's a new trailer for a documentary on the Notorious B.I.G. called Biggie. I got a story to tell. Uh, it's a great trailer. I think you guys should check it out. Um, the difference on this documentary from all the other ones you've seen out there is this is not going to focus on his death, but instead is going to focus on how he became a star seemingly overnight, and it's the first one to actually have the support of the Wallace family. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to check that one out. Uh, I'll watch that. That'll be dropping on Netflix on March 1st. Tight. Um, let's see. That's I mean, just more content to consume, man. Nothing <laughs> but content. <laughs> what is it? Content is king. Content is king. VIG uh, doc. Cool content. Oh, sorry. We're going to end on this because, Alex, you, you need a win. <laughs> I'm not that grumpy. Guess what, buddy? What? <laughs> we know you loved Paddington 1. We know, oh. we know that you believe Paddington Two is the is a perfect film. Well, guess what, bud? Perfect script, Paddington. How two. do you top a perfect script with Paddington Two? Because, buddy, Paddington Three is officially in the works. Listen. Y'all can come at me with your Batman 89s and your fucking Christopher E. Supermans and your long, extensive lists of Italian cinema. I'll come right back at you and just say, until you see Paddington 2, just don't talk to me. Until you've seen Paddington 2, don't talk. Paddington 3, let me tell you something. I hope movie theaters are back in business because Paddington 3, my wife and I will be there 7 o'clock early showing fucking all of a fucking little blue 
little blue raincoat on, a little yellow hat, cosplay as some Paddington. <laughs> Let me ask you Feeling something. good. Pat, have you, has anybody here seen Paddington or am I the only one? I've seen the Never. first one. I've not watched. The, I've tried watching the second one. I think I fell asleep. I think Amber may have finished it. Rose, Paddington 2 is coming to the Midnight Movie Club. You best respect <laughs> now. You best respect. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Does it make you a little nervous that Paddington 1 and 2 writer-director Paul King has said he will not be directing the third film, but will still be involved in some form? He's a bit busy right now directing Warner Brothers' Wonka, a Willy Wonka origin story set to be released in March of 2023. Uh, Oh, Bringing it back to Burton. Really? Does that See, bum you out? Does that bum you that's out? The face that, I made when I found out that the that Lord uh, Lord and Miller weren't going to be running uh, Spider Verse two. Oh, is it a flip of the coin? Now it's a coin flip. We're going to have to wait till these reviews. But hopefully, with him involved, he'll be like, "You got to you got to pound out my trilogy strong, dog." Like I'll be really bummed because, man, dude. You I'm never t- know. Here's the thing. You could get a Blade Runner 2049. That's true. You could you get know. like, pa- but Paddington 2, <laughs> I'm telling you guys, when you see it, you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, this movie is airtight. Everything matters. Isn't Hugh Grant the bad guy in that? Yeah, and he fucking slaps. And he's like a carnival barker or something. <laughs> nope. 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 I just remember him at like a fair on a stage. No, he's a struggling actor. So he like to, I, 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 it's just, he's a struggling actor. That's all you need to know. Boy, he is plays he, is all me? these random characters. I got to say, Hugh Grant's having a little bit of a, of a resurgence. I feel like Honestly, in the last couple of years, a big chunk of it is fucking Paddington too. I think it was like, damn, Hugh, Hugh Grant was really good at Paddington too. All right. I'm telling you, you got to trust me. Listen, if are we, we learn nothing from this, go check out Paddington too. Are we, are we more <laughs> excited for the, for the Hugh Grant resurgence or the owen wilson resurgence in uh what is it winter soldier oh uh, no loki oh loki Uh, i'm gonna go with hugh grant because i've seen more uh i mean who knows because like i i didn't tell you guys but i watched the gentleman recently and i really enjoyed that guy richie oh i gotta watch that and he's great in it he's great in it like he's been popping up in a bunch of stuff my wife watched that fucking Nicole Kidman series that was on HBO where, where he plays the, the fucked up the husband unknowing on. and like, well, I didn't like the show. Or like undoing. I really enjoyed him. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm going to go with you grant on this one. Did you, what's it called? The unknowing or the undoing? I think it's undoing. I don't know, but <laughs> SNL, did you watch his disco? SNL does a great sketch with one of their female performers doing the man, Nicole Kidman singing that song. I can't say the end, but you want to talk about like, hitting an inside the park home run and just face planning six feet from home plate. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's great. It, the the finale is a work of art and how much of a failure it is. It's great. It just, it's just a really fun watch. Like it's worth it to check out. Uh, so I'm going to, before we end this, because this episode, I just wanted to have this quick thing real quick where I want to ask you guys, kind of like how we did with our top five where we all went around the room because this episode is called be kind rewind. Is there a movie that you rented constantly as a kid from the movie, like all the time from wherever you rented movies? 
Got a couple. One, Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Used to run it all the time. Loved it. Uh, there was also this dinosaur kid show. There, it was like a 30-minute like PBS special on dinosaurs, and I used to rent that constantly when I was like four. I remember doing that one a lot. And then Happy Gilmore. Uh, probably too many to mention, and I feel like I've mentioned a lot of them on the show before, but some that I maybe haven't mentioned would be Major League. Oh, that was a consistent one. Um, this one wasn't as a kid. I was older and I re- rented it for much different reasons, but it was Boxing Helena. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody has seen Boxing Helena, you'll know why I rented that movie. Cisco had it's that fucking, tingling feel. It's fucked up. It's fucked up and weird. Um, and uh let me think there's there's another one that i'm thinking about there's a weird one that my brother and i used to rent as kids that most people have never seen and when i bring it up most people are like what the fuck are you talking about but the people who do know are like oh yeah that movie rocked it's this really crazy movie called wild thing it has nothing to do with major league it's this weird sort of like vigilante dude who he runs around like tarzan slash batman in the city <laughs> and he can't who's the actor really. again i don't rob nepper i think is his oh, name no there was someone that's in that movie oh the bad guy is a guy that you've seen before i think he's the villain from the mask um um but it's this really weird weird crazy movie um that i vividly remember as a kid we would watch all the time he runs around in basically cut off jean shorts, no shirt, and chucks. And he would run around and jump from uh, rooftop to rooftop fighting crime. I forgot one. Blank man. <laughs> I used to rent blank man constantly. G5! <laughs> How about you, Steve-O? Uh, Superman. Superman 2. Superman 3. Superman 4. The Quest for Peace. To the point where my dad, <laughs> my dad finally was like, you're not allowed to rent Superman. <laughs> did they just buy it for you at that point? Or like, no. let's go buy this. No, every time. Cause I, I mean, I was, dude, ever since I was a little kid, it was like, let's go to the rent movies. Let's rent movies. Let's rent movies on Friday night. Right. And we go. And every time I would always end up picking one of the four, or if not all of them. And my dad would just be like, I can't have that goddamn movie on again. <laughs> and for whatever reason, as a little kid, I loved the one with, um, the sun guy. The no, well, yes, but I love the one with um, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, yeah, because well, Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that weird thing where he like he the the kryptonite makes him act like a mean drunk. Yes, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so stupid, but great. All right, well, thanks for indulging me, guys. <laughs> Cisco, tell me, buddy, as I fumble. Just like the finale of the undoing into the end of this episode. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm delirious. I don't know if you guys have, I'm absolutely delirious at this point. Cisco, where can the people find you at home? On the old Instagram and Twitter, Cisco kid with two D's 77. Steve, where can the people find you at home? You can find me on Twitter at Rex Manning. You can find me on Letterboxd. You can find me. Well, to be honest, let me tell you guys a little something at home. Let me tell you a little something about Alex before we sign off here. Are you're you probably gonna, thinking, are you going to get into your smooth you radio probably, voice? Yeah, you're probably thinking, who's this guy stepping to Martin Scorsese? <laughs> I would encourage you to check out my filmography. <laughs> so that's how you know. 
I directed a movie called Goodfellas, and I directed a movie called uh, The Departed and The Irishman and Gangs of New York. And some guy named Martin just remade all my classics. So I think I have, I think I know a little something about cinema. With that being said, guys, I'm signing deliriously off from this call. We will see you next time on BSR. Later. guys i'm here at pixar i'm about to go in uh start working on a collaboration project with pixar just kidding man i don't play that soft little baby shit man that's satan all day that evil satan stuff heavy metal shit man i don't fuck around with a little baby shit <laughs>